Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast, brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Those hands that you hear rubbing together are those of Jenny Carlson, <laughs> uh, columnist, who is joining us in a chilly Oklahoma podcast studio. I think it's brisker in here. Is that a word? Brisker in here than it was at uh, OU Texas on yeah. Saturday. F- football weather in the podcast studio. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to get ready for the season. I'm. And, I, uh, I feel. I feel the, ready. The, the uh, weather change is starting to happen, and we're getting acclimated to the cooler temperatures. And that other voice you hear is uh, Joe Masato, who joins us today for the Sooners Extra Podcast, powered by the Oklahoman. Uh, guys, let's start with a, a little bit of a rewind of Oklahoma's 34-27 to win over Texas on Saturday. Uh, Jenny, the storyline continues to be here, uh, gosh, what are we, 72 hours later, about defense. Mm-hmm. The job that the defense did um, on Saturday, the job that Kenneth Murray did, yep. the, the defensive line with Neville Gallimore right there in the middle of everything, and the coverage unit uh, with uh, Parnell Motley, Trey Brown, and Jaden Davis, especially those corners. Although uh, Brennan Radley-Hiles, I thought, uh, played pretty well mm-hmm. uh, there as well. Um, just w- w- Is there anything different you think about this game here three days later than you did on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, you know, a couple things. And, you know, obviously the um, the holding Texas to three points in the first half was huge, especially – with uh, a couple of Oklahoma turnovers on the offensive side. You know, things could have gone really sideways. They could have – obviously, they didn't go in with the lead that they wanted, but they could have gone in trailing in that game very easily had the defense not been able to to step up after, you know, unexpectedly having to go back out there and and, and try to uh, defend Texas after what looked to be uh, scoring drives potentially for the Oklahoma offense. So I think you have to like that. I think on the flip side, you know, something that's been a reoccurring theme the first uh, few weeks of this season um, over, you know, maybe not every week, but we have heard uh, Alex Grinch and of the other defensive uh, voices talk about finishing better. And, you know, they, they did allow 24 points in the second half, and that's what they allowed in both halves last year, which obviously, um, you know, they, they didn't have in the first half anywhere close to that. But at the same time, you know, you wonder, is, is there – and I know that they've, they've used a lot of guys. You know, they, they've played guys, platooned them to try to keep them fresh. Obviously, Saturday, I think they went with their best a lot more than, than they had in other games. But you wonder why the finish wasn't a little better. And no turnovers, which I know you guys are going to be addressing later in the week. Not getting any turnovers, I, I, you know, that continues to be an issue as well. Yeah, Joe, uh, flipping sides to the offense a little bit, though. Uh, obviously, the turnovers, again, as Joe – or Joe, Joe, Jenny mentioned – on the defensive side, the lack of turnovers being an issue. The turnovers uh, for Oklahoma's offense really hurt them. Their defense bailed them out, though, again and again until we saw just greatness out of C.D. Lamb. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a performance to remember from C.D. Lamb. I mean, he was just – just. I, I know I mentioned it on that postgame podcast, but just how he's surrounded by four to five guys constantly spun out of it. Mm-hmm. His yards after the catch have just made him – um, an even better receiver, and uh, I'm, I'm just—I I pulled up the Pro Football Focus, the analytics site that we often reference. They did a midseason All-American team. It's CD funny, L- Joe. Just a second. 
I was actually going to bring this up in our next segment, but Joe's going to beat me to the punch because oh, I, I literally there's, just opened that up. There's more to discuss from the list, so I'll just mention Lamb, but there is another Sooner, <laughs> two other Sooners, I think, on the list. But there, Yeah, yeah there are two other Sooners on the L- list. Lamb was a uh, first-team wide receiver, second-team uh, James Proch from SMU, and, and then uh, Devin Duvernay, who we also saw Saturday's honorable mention. So it, it – just yeah, and, and by the way, LSU's uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, Oregon State's Isaiah Hodgins, the other two first-team wide receivers there with uh, uh, Jerry Lamb. Judy being an all, uh, honorable mention from Alabama, uh, Jamar Chase from LSU, a second team at another spot, and then uh, an Arkansas State guy and an Arizona State guy is a second team and honorable mention at the other uh wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, this is incredible. Ten forced missed tackles on 28 receptions for CeeDee Lamb. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you see those pictures, and a lot of people posted the stills on Twitter. I saw one that was like uh, responsibilities versus uh, me on payday or whatever that had like (laughs) credit card debt, <laughs> student loan debt over each of the five Texas defenders that uh, were, were on the field. Yeah, it was pretty good, but it, it was incredible, uh, Jenny, the elusiveness that we saw from C.D. Lamb. I mean, it's one yeah. thing, and I know obviously part of that is poor tackling on the other side, but to do it as consistently as he's done it has just been incredible, and uh, that's something – we didn't see a ton of out of him last year. We saw it a little bit, but it was mostly just catch and run with speed. This year, the elusiveness is so much more a part of it. Yeah, I think if you're a defense, you've got to figure out a way to keep the ball out of his hands. I mean, at this point, I think the the uh, alternative, even when he gets it and you're close, it's not it's not enough. So you wonder what what our defense is going to do to adjust to that. You know, is it going to be um, a guy that shadows him all the time with the safety over the top? Are we going to see that kind of treatment? Um, there have been some games where he's gotten a heavy dose of uh, of defensive treatment, but you know, with that kind of um, uh, you know, breaking tackles with that kind of, you know, sort of eluding guys and then being able to run away, you know, you let the ball get in his hands and anything is possible. I mean, he could turn a two-yard catch into a, you know, 72-yard touchdown run pretty pretty quick. So I think defense has got to figure out a way to keep it out of his hands, and, and that looks like a, a tall test well, too. It, it's difficult to do that. UCLA did it um, – with with heavy but attention, went crazy. Well, well, Hertz went crazy, and Charleston Rambo went crazy yeah. with five catches for 116 yards, two touchdowns. But if I'm a defense, I think I, mean, I, I think I let that happen because the the home run ability of Ceedee Lamb, even on a short play, <laughs> is off the charts. Yeah, I mean, to me, you're right, Jenny. You've got to take if you're scheming against this offense, take Lamb away, and then if Jalen Hurts beats you. Jalen Hurts beats you. If Charleston Rambo beats you, Charleston Rambo beats you. The problem is the list of if these guys beat you, then they beat you is deep. Right. Because right. it's the two guys I mentioned. It's Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks. Uh, so there's so many. And then well, you've got to figure that those slot guys, whether it be Grant Calcaterra, yeah. if he gets healthy. Jeremiah uh, Hall. Jeremiah Hall, who's been really good at times. Yeah. I mean, those aren't guys generally who will singularly beat you. 
but they'll sure deliver a pretty good blow. And, and we saw this with Kyler and Baker, but Jalen Hurts' legs are the great equalizer because, you know, even when Texas was dropping back in coverage, we saw so many designed passes where Jalen Hurts would drop back and it was almost basically a quarterback draw. There's nobody in the middle of the field, and he would just beat him with the run game. Yeah, it's it's so much different, and um, hopefully we'll be able to get Dimitri Flowers on here at some point to uh, maybe can address this because – for a long time when Flowers was there, the sort of check down to that when you had something like that happen was a you know dump off to Dimitri Flowers and he got the big yardage. Now it's the running of Jalen Hurts to get the big yardage because offensive linemen aren't chasing him down and uh, the linebackers sort of get cleared out by everything else that they've got to account for. Is this a question if you're if you're a defense looking at what do we do about the C D Lamb question? Are you thinking you know, is this uh, is this death by a thousand paper cuts if we if we dedicate two guys to him and just let ev- let those other guys beat you? Or well, I think, uh, sorry, Jenny, right. um, I think with the propensity that OU has shown to turn the ball over at least occasionally, you go with the death by a thousand paper cuts. And I know, obviously, and we're an OU podcast, so we're talking about <laughs> what OU, do you but do we're, to beat but them? <laughs> it's interesting to think about how you would scheme to try to slow it down. And to me, you go the death by a thousand paper cuts route and just hope, uh, you know, against hope that they give the ball up. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but um, just, well, the, I mean, the answer is there's not one. It's so difficult. Yeah, there hasn't been yet, and that's why. You know, something always has to give. Yeah. And that's what makes this offense so great. I, I really think the most surprising part of the offense is Hertz's run game. I mean, we, we knew he had that in him, and we knew he was going to be a, a weapon in the run game. But just looking at the total yardage, he has 630 yards second on the team. Here's the shocker, Ramondre Stevenson with 356 yards. He's almost got 300 yards more than the second leading rusher i kept thinking there's no way he's going to lead them in rushing and now it's like there's probably (laughs) no way anyone else does lead them in rushing other than jalen hurts yeah i mean it's uh, unless a guy like trey sermon or or kennedy brooks just strings together it probably have to be three big games together in order to to overtake him but i just don't see it happening at this point i mean it's uh, what Kyler Murray had a thousand yards rushing last year. Is that right? Like right at a thousand. Seems like that's about I, right. I believe that's yeah. correct. I can a uh, thousand and look one. That up. A thousand, a thousand and one. one. There so you go. I was one yard off. That is unacceptable. <laughs> uh, no, you're beat, Ryan. There. I know Jeez. it's it's really <laughs> pathetic. Uh, but uh, Jalen Hurts is going to fly by that at, at this point with what, uh, 630. What did you guys think about the uh, the run game against Texas? I was surprised Kennedy Brooks got the lion's share of the carries. Well, that was surprising, not like shocking. The shocking part was that Trey Sermon got zero. Yeah. Joe, what do you think about that? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, just from what I've seen, I've always thought Trey Sermon was their best running back and, and their most consistent option, but yeah. I think it's kind of clear that maybe the coaching staff doesn't see that um, or, or doesn't think that. Not at all saying they're wrong. I, I think they know how to run an offense. But um, <laughs> Lincoln did sort of justify it yesterday by saying, I think he played the second most snaps. Trey Sermon did. He just didn't really factor into getting the ball, which is just strange because he's, I mean, he's obviously been such a great running back. But maybe Brooks has sort of passed him as that maybe 1A and 1B option but then you have Stevenson as well is there a is, is there speaking of home run threats is Brooks more of the home run threat and that's why they have gone maybe 
tilted that way. I mean, yeah, I still I think, think so. I still Brooks think Brooks has the most explosiveness yeah. to me. Yeah. Out of that group, I think Stevenson is a good combination of power and speed. Uh, I, I think his role is going to continue to grow. We're going to see him more and more. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't. I mean, I I don't foresee Trey Sermon falling out of the rotation or anything like that. But at the same time, those carries could shrink, uh, maybe even a little bit more. Um, From zero? As, well, I'm talking about <laughs> negative five carries. <laughs> <laughs> the average through the season. Um, You're not going to have me back on this podcast anytime <laughs> soon, are you? <laughs> there, there's also an, an overlap in skill set, right, with, with yeah. Stevenson and Sermon and you know, yeah, Brooks and, and, is that home run guy. Sermon is the power back. But now you've got Stevenson, another power back. So maybe his skill set isn't as – it's still valuable, but they've got another guy who can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we haven't even mentioned uh, TJ Pledger, whose role I don't think it's going to get wildly expanded. Mm-hmm. But now that he's back, they've used him early, um, especially against Texas. They used him uh, pretty early a couple times. So – um, it'll be interesting to see how he works into that. I, I think Marcus Major is going to be a redshirt guy. I don't think we're going to worry about him, uh, you know, getting uh, a lot of carries unless there's, you know, maybe just a couple injuries. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's going to be something interesting to watch after Sherman was shut out on uh, on Saturday against Texas. So uh, we're going to take a break there. I'm your host Ryan Aber here with Jenny Carlson and Joe Masato from the Oklahoma, and this is a Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zach. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast, brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast, podcasting in a great way from all three sides of the ball. That's a little shout out to the old nonfiction writer's name that we used to use. Jenny uh, was longing for the days of that podcast earlier. But, I hear when you say when you intro and outro, I still hear it in my head, and so I was like, "Oh, well, I said that. it for so so I long." Know, I know, but it, God, we should have we need to have Bob Stoops on just to do the podcasting in a great way <laughs> uh, line. <laughs> but uh, here in the second segment, we're going to do a little uh, breakdown of the midseason awards or midseason grades. For the Oklahoma offense uh, here, we'll do the defense in the third and final segment. Uh, Joe, let's start off the easy one, uh, quarterback. Am I just giving my letter grade here? Uh, well, give your letter what, grade what, what and we'll we, talk and about it some. Tell me, tell me why, Joe. <laughs> we, uh, we had an in-depth talk on the format of this grading session. Um, yeah, quarter- that was it. <laughs> Qu- quarterback, I, I'll, I'll give Jalen Hurts an A. Maybe the only thing keeping him from an A-plus is a couple uh, – um, turnovers against Texas and, and a few questionable decisions throwing the ball, but you know he's far surpassed any expectations. I thought that you know maybe the staff and definitely um, those of us covering him and, and fans had for him coming into the season. Yeah, Jenny, I'm going A as well, and I, I think Joe's right. I think it'll be interesting to see you know as the the opponents get you know more difficult. Obviously, 
You've got Baylor out there, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, um, those those sorts of teams that remain. Can they get pressure on Jalen Hurts and maybe force him into bad decisions? Like, you know, we saw some, some balls get thrown at Kansas the week before the Texas game that you're like, boy, if Kansas had some defensive players that could get to the ball, they'd have gotten those. And so you, well, you, even Saturday, Texas had yeah. another interception try that dropped. Yeah. So they, I mean, I think that it's going to be interesting to see. And obviously, that offensive line, if, if Ely and Swenson are healthy, I don't want to give the offensive line a grade, but <laughs> if they're healthy and they can get some continuity in that group, that probably changes the equation there to an extent, too. But can people pressure Jalen Hurts into bad decisions? I think is the really big question about him. Um, I think a lot of the other stuff. You know, accuracy and the running, obviously. I think he's a better thrower, as Joe said. I think he's a better thrower than we anticipated. But, uh, you know, can some teams use those those little signs of cracks to potentially cause some problems moving forward? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, A as well. He's been fantastic, as good as anybody could have thought. Uh, the, the ability to throw the deep ball and complete the balls down the field I think was a big question mark with him as was uh, accuracy a little bit he's been able to answer those two charges the only thing that you worry about like Jenny said was his ball security and being able to avoid those turnovers but uh, you would think that that stuff would get better as the season went on rather than worse we'll see uh, where that goes but for right now and A for him uh, Jenny We'll go right into offensive line since you talked about it a little bit there. It's been a constant uh, conveyor belt of guys <laughs> moving in and out there. Uh, finally, we saw a same starting lineup last week as we'd seen uh, a couple weeks before. Maybe starting to see some stability there if Adrian Ely and Eric Swenson are, are healthy. It sounds like they weren't fully healthy and maybe wouldn't have gone if this was anybody yeah. but Texas. Yeah. But uh, obviously, that was a different kind of game. Where do you rank the offensive line to this point? I'm, you know, considering all the instability, you know, I think you have to factor that in, and that's not that's not the fault of the offensive line or Bill Beanbow. There's been injuries. I'm probably going eh, B minus, maybe. I mean, a lot of penalties early in the year that um, you know were were uncharacteristic for the offensive line under Bill Beanbow. So um, that's been something that has been a little bit disconcerting. Seems like they may have gotten that, started to get that cleaned up. But, you know, to me, the stability of that bunch, if they can just get the same lineup to play together three or four games, they might, you know, we might really start to see some things move along. But considering the instability and that this was a rebuilt offensive line with the exception of Creed Humphrey, I probably am more in the, in the, in the B- minus than, than the C. I think you at least have to give them a little bit of a, a grading curve there on that. Joe? Yeah, I, I think I might go, I'll say B plus. I mean, it's just, to me, it's hard to grade this offense because they're averaging more yards per game than they were last year still. They're still averaging more uh, yards per play. They're the number one offense in, in the country. And taking into account that they lost all those guys to the NFL, four starters are on Creed Humphrey, and that it has been a makeshift offensive line almost every single game. Um, you know, I think there's been a few uh, sloppy penalties for them. Haven't really gelled as much as last year's group did, but last year's group was the best in the country. I'll give them a B plus. Yeah, I think I'm going to go right in the middle of both of y'all. Just throw a straight B because um, there's a lot of things they need to clean up. They, the the penalties are the big thing that stand out, but at times Jalen Hurts has made things happen with his feet. 
even when the coverage wasn't there or, you know, the pressure was there, I guess I should say. And uh, that's bailed them out a little bit. Now, on the flip side of that, those guys have blocked really well at times. I, I thought that uh, the Texas Tech game especially sort of jumps out at you as, uh, you know, a positive, the, the way that they were able to turn things around. Um, so I think they're heading in the right direction. I think as you see these guys, if these five are the guys the rest of the way and they're able to avoid injury and, and get those tackles healthy, I think you're going to see a lot of growth out of them, and I think you're going to see them continue to get better. Um, but it hasn't been perfect. You know, last year was about as close to perfect as you can get from an offensive line, but it's still been really, really good. So I don't think there's anything to, uh, you know, hang your head about that, that you're getting a B there. Not a it's concern. just, yeah, it's, it's not a great concern. No. Uh, unless guys start going down because that depth can wear out pretty quickly, uh, as we've seen. But, uh, you know, I, I think it, it hasn't been great, but hasn't been bad uh, at all. All right, uh, let's go to running backs now, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> this one's tough because, uh, again, I mean, you know, the numbers are still so good. I'll, I'll say B. I mean, maybe the only thing holding them back is uh, lack of participation basically i mean they just haven't been <laughs> the fe- only thing holding them back much. is the fact that jalen hurts is yeah exactly doing what he's doing with I 74 mean, like, carries and 630 he's yards. like their best running back basically yeah but the thing is he is a running i mean when he gets he's the ball he's back. a running back yeah, when he runs it's not like it's not like kyler murray it's not like baker mayfield and i know we've talked about this a couple times but it's different yeah. and he's running it like a running back which takes away some of that need for a guy like Trey Sermon or, or Kennedy Brooks. Yeah. I, it's, yeah, it's just hard to tell. Like, they don't really rely on their running back, yeah. so you don't really know how good they can be. Yeah, and, and I think the uh, the lack of usage is, yeah, if you look at so, their yards per carry, it's crazy. Yeah, like, yeah I mean, Ramondre Stevenson is 9.9, <laughs> Kennedy Brooks is 8.9, Trey Sermon you got to pick it up, Trey. Just 7.7 <laughs> yeah. yards per carry. OU's number one team in the country, 7.74 yards per rush. I mean, it's just – it's a crazy – it's crazy that they you would have that kind of weaponry in the backfield and they would be – essentially, you're just kind of like, well, I mean, they're okay. I'm probably in the same boat as Joe. I'm probably saying a B, but it's, but it's hard not to – think a minus just yeah. because like if it could be a plus i don't know like yeah, if, they, right. if they featured them more yeah what if they gave the ball to kennedy brooks 20 times yeah what if they gave the ball to ramondre stevenson 15 times in a game i don't know i'm not sure anyone would stop them I no mean. i know so i don't yeah i don't i don't know i think that they are really good um and you know as the season goes on this may be a situation where we look back at this first half and go you know what Good thing that they kept those guys fresh. Maybe there's a point in this year where we see that they do need that kind of uh, production, that kind of uh, help from those running backs. So if they're called on, I think they're in great shape to be very, very successful for this team. But, yeah, to have those kinds of talent at that position and to have them used – to I mean so little I mean they're just not being used a ton it's just hard yeah, to sort of uh, 116 carries for Sermon Stevenson and Brooks combined what if they had Adrian Peterson in the backfield right now 
<laughs> I mean, well, Jalen Hurts wouldn't have 630 yards rushing. Well, you don't think so, but like he's been able to when he yeah. gets the ball from the center, he gets to decide what happens with it next. Mm-hmm. So if I mean, I would think that if you had a, a, a weapon the in the style of an Adrian Peterson, but how how good are those guys behind? Hurts uh, in the backfield. Well, I mean, we know that Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks are really good. Yeah, but I mean, our, yeah, we have just haven't seen it. It's just, it's just, well, we've seen it. We just haven't seen it much, right? And that's what's interesting to me is like if those guys were truly like, you know, o- over the top, otherworldly talents, don't you think they'd be getting the ball anyway? I yeah. think so. You would certainly S- think Sermon's so. Sermon's on pace for like seventy fewer carries this year wow. than last year. That's yeah, amazing. it's it, it's crazy with. Uh, you know, a largely the same group of guys yeah. around him. I would go an A minus two. I'll, I'll keep that quick. I think everything that Jenny and Joe said have been correct. We just haven't seen enough of them. But the fact that the yards per carry numbers are what they are tells you they're doing something right when they get a chance. Um, but uh, okay, uh, let's go uh, outside receivers, um, which there's two that really matter for Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm going to say A+. Plus. Uh, I mean, C.D. Lamb, Charleston, Rambo, they've been pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, hard to, it's hard to argue with, uh, with a, an A that's borderline A+. Plus. I mean, the, thing that, the only thing missing, and this is not to his, like it's not his fault, but not having Calcaterra healthy and the kind of weapon that I thought he would be consistently I was this year. Sp- well, we were splitting those off oh, sorry. inside and outside. But, yeah, but, but. Uh, that to me, when you think receivers, but, yeah, I mean, if we're talking – anybody cd lambs with it's hard not to say a plus yeah, yeah a, a plus for those guys cd lamb uh charleston rambo they've had some other guys who have performed well uh out there as well but when you've got lamb and rambo like we talked about in the first segment it changes so much of the way that you have to be defended mm-hmm. um and hazelwood just y- tired yeah of that group yeah and hazelwood who surprisingly didn't play on saturday but i think that was more about getting wanting, wanting experience on the field as we saw with like lee morris out on the field so much more, and a couple of those other guys. Basquin played a lot on Saturday. Uh, what about inside receivers? Those those guys, like we talked about, the, the Grant Calcaterras and tight. We're talking about inside receivers, tight ends, fullbacks, H back, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that's a, a fairly diverse group of guys. Yeah, I'm gonna say C plus. I mean, this it's been a weird group because. You know, I think Jeremiah Hall has really emerged as a guy that they can rely on, yep. and he's been a pleasant surprise. But then Grant Calcaterra and Lee Morris, who were such big parts of this offense last year, have just kind of disappeared. Yeah, and eight carries, 141 yards combined for those two. Yeah, so— Or eight catches, I should you say. You just don't know, you know, if it's something they're doing, if it's just a, a read in the offense that Jalen Hurts doesn't see or doesn't like to throw to. But that part of the offense, other than— the H-backs, you know, those inside receivers, even like guys like Nick Basquin, I mean, you know, they just haven't been featured all that much. Yeah, Basquin's probably the most productive of any of those guys when you talk about receiving. What, nine catches, 109 yards from him, but uh, like we talked about earlier, Jenny, I think a lot of those uh, catches that normally these kind of guys have, Grant Calcaterra has, Jeremiah Hall has, or that position, Mm -hmm. are going to Jalen Hurd's runs. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it, it's sort of the I sort of had the same feeling to maybe a lesser degree because I don't know that their talent is quite to the level of the running backs, but I feel the same way. Yeah. Like I think when they're throwing the ball, 
They've done some pretty good things, but they're just not getting it very much. Obviously, Calcaterra being injured, I think that's that that sort of takes away a little bit of what we've seen from from those inside guys. Um, and and it's interesting too to me, guys, that you know you've got with Jalen Hurts a guy that you know learning this offense. Um, you would think there would be situations where he might want to get in a rhythm, get comfortable, use those inside guys in shorter yardage situations and pass to them. We just haven't seen that. I mean, it just seems like. Uh, you know, and and I think what Joe said could be spot on. You know, in the progression, either Jalen Hurts isn't getting there, or once he gets there, he thinks well, I can just run. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think we have seen that. Yeah, yeah, just that 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 flip. You know, flip of the switch in his head where he says, "I'm taking off" instead of trying to find a receiver at this point. All right, real quick, one uh, one last offensive grade. Let Jenny start with this one. Uh, kickers, we've seen two of them for the Sooners this year. I think I mean I think they've been really good. I would say probably A. Obviously the the change was a little bit of a unexpected uh, situation, um, but I I know that uh, Sutherland early in the year had some misses, um, but that was you know yeah Lincoln just Riley in that Houston kinda... game and we never we never really got a sense when Sutherland was around about whether he turned it around or, or whatever. He only had two more kicks, made them both, um, but didn't get a real good sense, but. Gabe Burkich has been fantastic. He's been really good. Yeah. Uh, done everything that they could have asked. Uh, what five of five on on field goals, made all seventeen of his extra points. I mean, probably a minus for those guys. In yeah, I, I would probably go an a minus uh, just because, like I said, that little uh, slip up there in the first one, which Lincoln Riley took blame on, and you could see, especially that the first one that uh, Sutherland missed, that was a tough position to put uh, Callum Sutherland in, and hit really his first game uh, action. But uh, Burkich has been fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Sutherland's not a factor at this point. Suspended indefinitely. But Burkich, 5 of 5 field goals, 17 of 17 extra points. Uh, can't, can't, be, can't be much better than that. Nope. Yeah, so uh, we're going to take a break right there. Don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store or in the Google Podcast app. We really appreciate it. And thanks for tuning in each week. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast, presented by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Uh, guys, the second segment, we talked about the the offense and the midseason grades for those guys. Let's uh, jump right onto the defense, Joe, and start off on the defensive line uh, where – I don't want to say a surprise, but a guy that we've talked about a lot over the last three years is finally playing like the player I think a lot of us thought he could be uh, when he arrived. Yeah, I mean, Neville Gallimore up on that defensive front, He's he's been a monster, an absolute monster up the middle for Oklahoma, says uh, Pro Football Focus. And how about this sentence? Uh, we would have never thought this <laughs> beginning of the year. Gallimore and Marquise Overton are arguably the country's best one-two punch in the defensive interior. What? I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. what? 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 I, I, I mean, Gallimore, I've been watching them all year, and that's hard for me to believe. <laughs> <laughs> Gallimore, yes, but I get. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying Overton's not playing great, but maybe Gallimore's playing at such a level that I'm not saying I could stand in there with him and be <laughs> yeah. great. But you know, he is, guys. He is well, playing yeah, I think, lights out. I think out. the biggest thing is that Overton 
is able to step in at times and, and fill in with Gallimore, and you don't see this massive drop-off. I mean, Overton made a couple really good plays uh, Saturday did, against yeah. Texas. Had a sack, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then, obviously, Nell Gallimore's been phenomenal. His ability to fight through double teams, um, you know, you see a couple of those plays that he made uh, made over the last two or three weeks, and you just marvel at his ability to get into the backfield when it doesn't look like there's any chance he could make it to the backfield. He's been absolutely fantastic for them. Uh, the the uh, pro football focus says that he's recorded 20 total quarterback pressures, two f- forced a pair of fumbles, uh, which we knew about, uh, and made his way to another eight defensive stops in the run game. Uh, so, and he's making life really, really difficult for opposing quarterbacks, which that's something that that interior of the defensive line just hasn't done over the last uh, really four, five, six, seven years. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm being an easy grader here, but it's not to judge them this year based on you know how bad they were at times last year, especially in Big 12 play, and it's it's hard for me not to give you know that that group an A because you you've got guys like Gallimore, um, you know Overton's not even a starter, but Ronnie Perkins, Jalen Redmond, Laron Stokes, who I think has been really good for him. They they're just so much deeper up front, so much more active. And um, Gallimore, you know, he said before the season even started during fall camp, like. Grinch's defense allows those guys to play in space. We saw, we always heard about how athletic Gallimore was for a man his size, and now we're starting <laughs> to see that. Yeah. And, um, you know, they are, they, they just seem to be more active than they were last year. Well, I think the fact, you know, you don't want to base a grade, which I would also go A, as Joe did, on one game, but I think the Texas game was very much a representative of what we've seen because they were able to get pressure, get those nine sacks, which was obviously huge huge number but then to not allow uh sam ellinger to to run wild to you know pressure and and open up things that then became vulnerabilities to them so the the way that they have been able to um be dynamic and yet consistent to me when 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 players or units can have moments of you know those highlights but then they're when they're not making the highlights it's not a boomer bust situation that defensive line is not boomer bust they make a lot of booms and the busts are almost zero so far this year yeah they've been fantastic uh i i agree with uh, a as well let's move on to linebackers jenny's favorite spot <laughs> it's been a while since we've had the jenny carlson weekly uh, linebacker talk, but Jenny, we got to start off with you there. Great Oklahoma's linebackers. Uh, well, you know how hard I am on linebackers, so the fact that I'm I'm going to say a for the linebackers it tells you something. But again, I, I mean, I think showing the ability to make dynamic plays and um, I, somebody mentioned this to me. I, I think I, I had a chance to talk to Teddy Lehman last week about um, Kenneth Murray, and he made a great point about. Um, this bunch a year ago this was a group that people were worried you know is there are there is there one guy two guys we can you know that can be put out there if you're an Oklahoma fan you're like what's going on here now some of those very same bodies you're like oh Oklahoma's got six or eight guys that can play well yeah I mean imagine what imagine if Caleb Kelly hadn't gotten hurt and you also have him to throw out yeah. there yeah. with uh, with everybody, but I I think uh, 
David Ogwegbu has shown some flashes uh, over there. Obviously, uh, Nick Benito and uh, um, Brian Asamoah have taken big, big, big steps, steps yeah. forward. Yeah. Uh, you know, we saw both of those guys on Saturday yeah. make some really uh, critical plays. Uh, the one spot I don't think you've seen just really great production is sort of that rush linebacker spot where, where John Michael Terry is there. Yeah. But I think he's done well enough. Um, and and sometimes it's not all about those guys making plays. It's about forcing guys into different things where other guys make the plays. Um, so you know, I I I'm going to go um, a B plus on there. I think Kenneth Murray's been fantastic. Some of those other guys have been fantastic. Um, they've been really good overall. So that's not an indictment on on them. It's just sort of. You know, if you look at somewhere where they maybe could take some significant steps forward over the second half of the season, I think it could be there because you figure uh, Deshaun White's going to continue to grow, Nick Benito and and Brian Osamoa are going to continue to grow. That's true. And Ryan Jones, a guy we haven't talked about much, um, you know, you could see him a little bit more. And then obviously Agwegbu, the the true freshman who's gotten a lot of run there um, during the first half of the season. So I'd go B plus. Yeah, I'm going to go B-plus as well. I think, you know, Nick Benito, we mentioned him a lot. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he overtakes John Michael Terry for that starting rush in spot at some point. He's just – he's looked really good in his redshirt freshman season. Deshaun White's interesting because he got uh, a lot of talk le- leading up to the year, and, and he spoke to us yesterday after practice and said when he watches film, he sees so many plays where he's he's like – so close but hasn't quite made the play and I think that's part of just being a true sophomore Um, he's going to get better and these are all guys around Kenneth Murray in in the middle of that defense yeah and good good for them that Kenneth Murray's been able to help them out and pick up some of those guys on either side of them at times I think Alex Grinch mentioned that yesterday and just you sort of there's been he said I, I can't remember exactly how he said it but something along the lines of there's been a lot of hold your breath moments where you're like, you need somebody to bail somebody out and make a play. And to this point, Kenneth Murray's done it. Listen, Alex Grinch has no idea about hold your breath moments with this Oklahoma defense. <laughs> he has no clue what those moments truly look like because there were people that didn't breathe at all for yeah. like three hours when Oklahoma played it the last few years. So. Yeah, one of them was named Mike Stoops. <laughs> so, I mean, I you know, talking about Kenneth Murray – and I think I said this to you guys after the game on Saturday. If he, if I'd have looked at the stat sheet afterwards and he'd have had 15 tackles instead of five, I would have believed it. He seemed to be everywhere. And, you know, I think he's, he's a guy that if you uh, want to see Kenneth Murray play, I think I would do it now because I, I don't <laughs> think he's going to be around next year. I mean, I think he is playing some amazing football this year, and I think he's fast and big and the type of guy that NFL teams are really interested in. But I'll tell you, if he is gone after this year um, and declares early for the draft, I like Brian Osamoa as the guy that kind of steps into that kind of role moving forward. Yeah, he certainly looked like a, a guy with that ability. All right, let's go to the back end. Let's start off with uh, let's start off with safeties back there. Uh, Joe, great Oklahoma safeties, nickelbacks. Um, I'm I'm gonna go B minus. I think they've. They've clearly improved from last year. I think the one thing missing uh, at that safety spot is depth. Delarian Turner, Yell, and Pat Fields have been solid, not spectacular, but um, 
they don't really have many guys behind them. I think Justin Broyles still has a chance to play more. Robert Barnes, it looks like he's probably going to redshirt. Um, they, they just don't have the bodies back there. And, you know, Buki played well against Texas. It's been kind of an up-and-down year for him. Um, so I, I think that's I think that's the group on defense that they still need to see more out of. I'm probably I'm probably eh, C plus. I mean they've been they've been so much better across the board than they were a year ago. You feel like <laughs> you gotta. You should just say A for all a of plus them. Everything. A plus for all of you guys. Congratulations. You get an A. You <laughs> get an A. Everybody you, gets an A. You don't have to take the final this year. Yeah. This is great. I mean, if know? we did this last year, it would have been like D. I don't know, oh, yeah. D minus. And there's just, there's so much better. Like last year, you just said safeties probably D. Yeah. Compared to last year, this is this group is playing probably B well, plus A minus. Yeah, and the sad thing is, you know, you would have said that last year. There's no doubt about it. But they were the better group on the back end of the defense. <laughs> That's true. Uh, That's true. Last year. Uh yeah, I'm probably in in the C plus range. I think there's you've seen some problems with uh, the nickelback position especially. That's obviously why they tried to do some different things there with the Trajan Bridges, the well, we think right now a short lived <laughs> Uh, experiment. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I, I, I still think that there's a chance that we could see Trajan Bridges in the backfield. But Buki, I, I never know what to say if I say Buki or Brendan. Uh, Buki Radley Hiles. We'll go with Buki. That's you know the name that his, agreed upon. His, his mama started calling him that when they were young. See, when he was young. So um, he's gotten better over the last couple of weeks. I thought uh, Texas was was really good. Um, in better position and you know when I talked earlier about guys being in the right position and forcing uh, forcing offensive players with the ball into other places where other guys can make plays I think Radley House is a guy that really is an example of that the last couple weeks he's been in the right position he's been sure when he has to make the tackle um, and he's forced a lot of that stuff two guys like Kenneth Murray and Delarian Turner-Yell to make plays. Those guys specifically. I think he talked about a play early in that game. I think it was the first play of the game where what Radley Hiles did led to Delarian Turner-Yell making a really big play to start off that game and sort of started setting the tone there. I think, what was it, uh, Kenneth Murray came back and made a play right after that and you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, Oklahoma's defense is off. So you've seen some really bright spots, um, especially Delarian Turner Yell, I think, has been, you know, a really big bright spot for them uh, on the back end. And he keeps getting better and better. You know, everybody talks about that play he made uh, against Texas Tech, but it's been a pretty constant state of improvement for him. So yeah. um, I, think I, gr- I think it's good. It's just the depth isn't there. The, I think they've been pretty solid. Um, but I don't. I think that's where when we talk about um, Oklahoma and turnovers, I think that group. I don't. I'm not going to say it's the key to causing more turnovers, but I think that's an area where if that group could could you know figure out a way to not not just be solid but to really be affecting things, I think you could start to see maybe that turnover number go up. Um, those guys are capable of of you know intercepting the ball. They're capable of knocking it out. I mean, all those sorts of things. I think they could be a real key to cranking up the turnover numbers for Alex Grinch. Yeah. Just, just one more thing on Buki, like. We're coming up on this, you know, West Virginia game. That's a game last year where that was the last one he started. He was just abused by David Sills. I mean, they just went at right at him the whole time. Then he was benched before the the Big Twelve Championship game against Texas. 
And it just kind of reminds you, he was a complete liability. Like, there was no way for them to hide him when he played last year. And now it's, you know, no one views him as one of the stronger pieces on this defense, but you don't get the sense that they're trying to hide him when he's out there. That's a great point. Yeah. So uh, brings us to our, our last core defensive unit, although we will talk a little bit of special teams after that. Um, cornerbacks. Um, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and start this one since I haven't started one yet. Uh, a. Uh, Parnell Montley, Trey Brown, Jaden Davis have been fantastic. Even when guys have made catches against them, they haven't generally won. They haven't generally been, you know, long bomb touchdowns that go coast to coast. Um, And they're, they've been competitive. Um, You know, still some, some minor things to clean up as there always are, but those guys have taken a massive step forward. I think those guys would have been the, the DNF last year. And it's the same guys. I mean, uh, with the exception of Jaden Davis, you know, Parnell Motley and Trey Brown, along with Trey Norwood, who had some flashes uh, last year before he moved spots. uh, Those are the guys who carried them most of the way last year, and they've been really, really, really good to this point. Yeah, you know, it's hard for me to determine which has been more surprising, the D-line or the cornerbacks. I I might go cornerbacks. I mean, that that group – uh, just did not play well last year, but I, I'd give them an A this year. I think it was Barry who said it on, on Saturday. Like, I haven't noticed the cornerbacks out there today. That's typically a good thing because everyone noticed the cornerbacks last year. <laughs> Trey Brown's been good. Parnell Motley's been good. Jaden Davis might be the best backup cornerback in the country or one of the best as a true freshman. You know, they don't have another guy behind them like depth would immediately become a big issue if one of those guys were to go down but as of right now you just have to feel really good with those three yeah just the the and I, I'm probably you know a minus is probably where I'm gonna go but yeah I mean I think the you're you're gonna have times when guys get beat guys get left open I mean it's gonna happen because the big 12 especially you know as you start to see more of these passing offenses it's gonna it's gonna stress them and we'll we'll see some busts that's gonna happen because that's the nature of the league but I think it's a it's way less than we saw last year and clearly you know for those guys to hang in mentally to not you know get in a bad place that you can't get out of I think that says something about him you know before the season even started I know we're grading this year but um, I think to have that ability to you know just roll with it um, and and you know really see where this change in defense could take them and then embrace it you know that's a, that's a testament to those guys so uh, yeah I, I and I also think this is one of those areas that you know they're going to continue to get more comfortable, continue to get more assertive. I wouldn't be surprised to see them with a few more interceptions, a few more, you know, force and fumbles after catches, those sorts of things. As they get even more and more comfortable in this defense and what they're doing, I think you're going to see some of that potentially happen. Yeah. So, uh, final grade of the day, I'll let Jenny get it started for us. Uh, Reeves Munchau, yeah. the, uh, the punter. I mean, I don't have any. He's the well. He well. He's the only guy who gets a grade unto himself. Well, Jalen hurts. Yeah. Uh, so one point, of yeah. one of two. One of two. I, I mean, 
he's he's been pretty good. I, I'd say, hey, I mean, the two the the things that stand out to me. I mean, he punted twice at Kansas, and they were both inside the five yard line. <laughs> I know he. I mean, like it wasn't sort of a dead stop. Guys had to go down and yeah, but and it was still them, really good. Really good kicks. So yeah, I mean, I think I think he's been really good so far but for the, them. The the crazy thing for this is Reeves Munchau could be the best punter in the country. But there's no chance that he would win, like, the Ray Guy Award or anything like that because he's punted 12 times halfway through the season. <laughs> he has to he, – he, I mean how – many, How many kicks does he get on the sideline compared to how many we actually see him get in the game? <laughs> well, is yeah. it, like – is it 20 to 1? Is it 40 to 1? Like, how many kicks this, is he warming up This is up why I want to write this story at some point. I, and I talked to Austin Seibert about this last week. You know, Seibert for so long held both of the responsibilities. He was a kicker and a punter. So even though he didn't get to punt much, he got to kick a ton because yep. he was kicking extra points every three and a half seconds. <laughs> Reeves Munchau doesn't get that. Reeves Munchau stands over there and waits. And he's like the, you know, the Maytag repairman over there <laughs> and just gets called uh, a couple times a game. But uh, he's averaging over 45 yards a kick. Um, had some really, really good ones that uh, down, wound up inside the 20, inside the 10. So it's been as good as they would have hoped. I, I, you know, I don't know whether to say an A or an incomplete, but whatever he's done has been really good. How many total punts did you say? 12. 12. Okay, because I, I, I'm looking on CFBStats.com. He doesn't even show up on punting, so... <laughs> He, it's like it's like he doesn't even qualify because he hasn't punted well, enough sure, times. Because nobody's punted that few yeah, times I mean, this year, right? But over forty-five, I mean, he, he's basically a top twenty punter. So I'll give him an A. It's just crazy because you've got guys punted thir- 26, 31, 24, 26, and he's at twelve. Thirty-seven, thirty-six, yeah. thirty-six. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, just phenomenal. I mean, it it just speaks to what OU's offense is that they don't have. Uh, the punters out there uh, very much at all and like yeah. uh let's see I'm, I'm looking at the big 12 stats OU's actually second in net putting in the league uh at, at 42.9 but you look at the other guy like Kansas State is leading they've had 21 punts um Iowa State has the least outside of OU at 18 punts so what 50 percent more than what OU has yeah Iowa uh, State's at what three a game and OU's at two a game essentially yeah which is a big difference yeah uh, uh, Texas Tech has had 36 punts yeah. so Alabama's uh, at 13 uh, o- Oklahoma wow. leads at 12 and then Air Force and Alabama 13 apiece wow wow we got to find out what's up with that Air Force uh Maybe they, maybe they just only. go for it. Every well, maybe time. yeah. The, well, it's like the uh, the Arkansas. There's that Arkansas high school that goes for it all the time and onside kicks every time. You know, maybe uh, maybe Air Force is is turning into that uh, lately. But UMass has uh, 43 punts to lead the nation. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a rough rough season for the Minutemen. No uh, no doubt about that. But. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up there after giving out some uh, midseason grades. We'll be back later in the week to talk a little bit more Oklahoma, West Virginia. That'll be 11 a.m. 11 a.m. I know uh, I know, Sooner fans, you're not used to this 11 a.m. stuff, but it's going to be 11 a.m. Uh, on, on Saturday. That game will be on uh, Fox, I believe, um, yeah. which is you know the home of OU football recently. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Sooners Extra Podcast from the Oklahoman. Please drop us a line. You can reach me 
at R-A-B-E-R at Oklahoman.com or on Twitter at R-Y-A-B-E-R. Jenny? Jay Carlson at Oklahoman.com or Jenny Carlson underscore OK. And Joe, I'll just go ahead and say two S's, two O's. Two, two S's, two, two T's. Oh, two S's, two T's. Well, you said I, well, Joe I, and Mas- I messed it up. Oh, I guess and there is there, there, yeah, yeah, but, okay. yeah, but what I was meaning is uh, two S's, two T's. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Joe. I was trying to. I was just being thunder. too cute there. That's all right. You almost got it. Uh, yeah. So Jay Masado at Oklahoman.com at Joe underscore Masado on Twitter. And the Sooners Extra podcast is presented each week by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best. Oh, you coverage anywhere.